Welcome to People Helping People, the podcast for social entrepreneurs who want to build a social impact business and increase their sustainability footprint. I'm your host, Adam Morris, and I can't wait to share the work of Alina Boite and her Changemakers Institute. Alina has a super unique background in intellectual property law, but I also really admire the work that she's done to build Changemaker Institute in such a way that brings attention to both social impact and environmental sustainability. So let's dive right in. Alina, welcome on the podcast. Hey, Adam. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm really excited. Can we start off? Can you tell us just a little bit about the Changemakers Institute? Yeah, so the Changemaker Institute is a public benefit corporation. We are incorporated in Delaware, and our mission is to empower businesses to create positive change in the world by 2030. So we've aligned that date with the Sustainable Development Goals. What we do is we provide training programs, we provide content, educational material resources to help businesses that are committed to doing social impact work to help them, to empower them so that they can um, go out and do what they do best. Can you share an example of a project that you've worked on through Changemaker Institute? Yeah, of course. So there is a sustainable clothing company. It's called Baba Nonia that is based in Malaysia. The impact that they're trying to do is they are trying to protect the environment because West Malaysia is a, is a peninsula that has got beautiful beaches. And one of their, their impact goals is to protect the environment. The business model is to use Malaysian print that's, that's really beautiful. It's hand-printed cloth that is made into um, dresses and clothes and it's called batik. So batik means um, hand-printed um, and it's it's a variation of the word um, tiktik which means um, to, to dot and it's a way of dotting the cloth to then contain the colors. So it's, it's very beautiful, vibrant cloth. And the company, it's, it's a really new company but the goal is to create a sustainable clothing co- um, brand using that particular cloth with the impact goal of protecting the uh, marine life where the cloth is actually sourced from villages that actually produce the cloth. So it's, it's a long drawn process where you actually put in the colors and then you have to dry it in the sun uh, because if you don't dry it in the, in the right environment or the right temperature, the color runs. So it has to be done in a particular way. Uh, so the, a lot of the villages that actually produce this batik cloth are on the coast of Malaysia. So one of the goals is to, is to conserve the, the coast in Malaysia by elevating this brand. So that's the project that we're working on. One of the most difficult things, I, I think, is knowing the kind of impact that we have that the company is having. Because while it's easy to use uh, simple metrics to show that you're making an impact. Let's just say that the CEO of the company keeps talking about wanting to tag the turtles, which is great. And it's an awesome way to think about progress. But but tagging 500 sea turtles doesn't show the impact that the company is actually having on the environment. Mm. So coming up with the right metrics is a little bit more difficult because you're going to have to show that whatever activity that the company undertakes in terms of the, the business actually contributes to long-term sustainability. So while it may be less sexy 
it may a, a better metric maybe how much trash did you get out of the ocean as mm. opposed to how many turtles you 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 actually tagged. Got it. Uh, I think that question comes up a lot of just if I have a social enterprise, how do I communicate the impact I'm making and what metrics do I choose? Um, Absolutely. I, I think a lot of businesses choose quantitative metrics, which is understandable because those are easy, right? That means I t- to say that you tag 500 turtles is a lot easier than saying I, I got how many pounds of trash out of the, the ocean. And likewise, if, if, we, if we break it down to a, a more simple lab, um, level, it's easier to say I trained 2,000 people or I fed 2,000 people than to actually show that training those 2,000 people actually empowered them or that feeding those 2,000 people actually reduced poverty, right? So we mm-hmm. need to find the right metrics that can actually demonstrate the impact. And it's not just the right metrics, but also the right action. What, what kind of action do you need to take to have an impact? How do people go about identifying what those kind of better metrics are? Yeah, I'm huge on the sustainable development goals. And, mm. for, for, and I'll explain a little bit why. But to answer your question really quickly, is to tie your metrics in a meaningful way to the sustainable development goals. And the reason why... I, I think the sustainable development goals is a, a really good metrics to start off with. Is that they are simple. So if you just Google the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, you'll see seventeen of those goals, and it's all laid out for you really nicely. It's pretty. It's it's all color coded and all that. Uh, but they also give you benchmarks that you can aim towards. You know, that means, for example, reducing poverty. Uh, they, they lay out the goals for you, right? They means to reduce poverty. This is what we hope to see in developing countries. This is the, the, the level of um, reduction that we hope to see. It's better to do things in a simple and easy way than to complicate mm. things. That's the quick answer. It's, it's easy um, and the metrics should tie into a, achieving the sustainable development goals. And I think that's a great point as well because... It's a very easy framework for people to communicate consistently on, but also, as you said, being able to go and actually see, hey, here's how the United Nations is laid out, you know, how you can measure success on these these different goals so that can give some really good direction. In the Changemakers Institute, like how do you balance uh, the social impact that people are doing with the environmental sustainability? Because those are both kind of very prominent in your mission. Yeah. So... So I'm not sure whether we, we see those two things as mutually explicit. That means whether you have to choose between social impact or sustainability. I, I think they can be aligned together. So when we talk about social impact, what, what we're really looking for is making a positive change in society or, in, or having a positive impact on the environment to the business. So the, the concept of social impact isn't a new concept. You know, nonprofits have thought have talked about social impact for a long time. Foundations, philanthropic organizations have talked about social impact for a long time. The applied social impact to businesses is relatively uh, newer, so I wouldn't say it's all that new because we've always thought of corporations as having a, a social responsibility, and we can debate about that. I'm sure. I'm sure people 
listening in might say, well, that, that isn't true. You know, we need to focus on shareholder wealth. And, and to a large extent, that's, that's the way the law has developed. But, but generally, when we first start conceptualizing the, the purpose of a corporation, it was really to do public good. Mm. Um, but the, the concept of social impact is, is to businesses is, is relatively new, I would say, because people are, are, are beginning to realize that there's only so much government and nonprofit organizations can do. And that businesses that choose to be more socially responsible and socially conscious can have a a greater impact on society. In in some instances, more than governments and nonprofits, because because a company reaches right into the market. Mm. So, 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 so that's social impact. And to answer the question about well, how does that relate back to sustainability? Sustainable companies are also impactful companies, but maybe the company is impacting the environment in a positive way as opposed to society. But it's the same, it's the same concept, right? That, that businesses have a responsibility to operate in, in, in a way to not deplete natural resources, which may include being innovative to see how they can dispose of, of things without polluting the environment. And so, and so I don't see those two things as mutually exclusive. They, they may be, you know, two different things that can be aligned together. I've noticed this come up a lot in conversations too of just budding social entrepreneurs who are starting something and they, they're looking at their environmental impact um, because they see what's going on. And there's not always a clear path of like, how does this apply to me and how do I figure out um, what I can focus on or what I can change in my business in order to, to do better. Sometimes the change that that you can make doesn't have to be a significant change. You don't even have to change your business model entirely. It, it may be as simple as choosing who your vendors are. Right? Or it may be it may be as simple as 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 deciding I'm no I'm no longer going to work with this particular supplier because this particular supplier isn't as isn't doesn't have the same values as I do when it comes to sustainability. It may be choosing it. It may be something as simple as um, choosing the material in which you you package your product. And and I'm I'm not saying that. That that's that's necessarily an easy decision. I mean, there's marketing issues, and you know, where would you place a product, and how how is the consumer going to respond to a different type of packaging? So yeah, I'm aware that there are other marketing issues that may be involved in making the decision, but it's that kind of decision. You you, you don't have to necessarily come up with a completely new business model or change your distribution channels completely or change where you put your products. Right? It's it's a matter of making a small tweak to mm. the choices you make so that you become a sustainable company. Got it. And it sounds like part of that is just understanding what you can change um, or what areas might have an environmental impact that you can look at so that when you go and you speak with vendors or look at your supply chain, you have an idea of like, hey, here's some of the biggest challenges I, I can work on. Um, I really love that idea of saying, hey, well, part of 
growing a business is choosing which vendors and suppliers and partners that you work with and making sure that they're aligned with you know what your goals are um so being able to educate yourself enough to be able to have those conversations it's a matter of being of of educating yourself but it's also a matter of knowing who you are so it's important to not be afraid to put your your stake in, in the ground and say this is who we are and we we are making a cautious decision not to partner with companies that do you know abc now you mentioned a, a client that you work with um, through the Changemaker Institute. What are some of the the events and programs that you run through uh, Changemaker Institute? Yeah, so we do have a podcast, a weekly podcast, where we talk about issues that are important to social entrepreneurs, and they are usually to around two different issues. Number one, how do we become financially sustainable, which is an important question because you have to sustain the impact work you you do. And number two, how do we actually make a, a long-term impact? That the impact is effective and it's not just a veneer for, for, for doing good. It's, it's you're actually doing good. So, so those are the two questions that come up consistently. And of course, implicit in all that is, is the mindset of an entrepreneur, right? How do you need to think about your business in a way that allows you to be as successful as you can be as an entrepreneur. So those are the, the things that that constantly come up. And those are the things that we try to talk about in the podcast. So we try to have guests come on the podcast to talk about specific issues. But there are, there are solo episodes as well where I provide my own views on on these questions. So that so we do have a podcast, but we also have um, workshops to help you think about how to create a social impact program that is both sustainable and profitable, and then using that to support your business. Because it's so important to understand how to run a profitable business so that you can continue your impact work. So if, if we can align those two things together, that, that's when you, you see success as a social impact business. Perfect. Who are, who are the ideal people to attend that workshop? The ideal people to attend the workshop are people that are thinking about doing social impact work, but not quite sure about how to go about doing that. People that have, who have heard about the sustainable development goals and that they know it's important, but they don't know how to bring that into the business. Um, and people who don't know how to align their business with a social impact program. So bringing those two things together, as I said earlier, is so important. And while many, many businesses understand the value of a social impact program, they don't know how to, to pull those two things together. So the, the, the workshop is geared to that group of people who are thinking about starting a business, trying to identify what their products and services are going to be, how do we put those products and services out there, and how do we develop a social impact program that will give them the opportunity to talk about their business in a more elevated way. How do people find out about the workshop? I'm happy to share with your audience. Um, It's... It's www.changemakerinstitute.org. And 
What is your long-term vision for the Changemaker Institute? So my long-term vision for the Changemaker Institute, we do want to achieve that mission by 2030 to empower 100,000 businesses to create positive change on people on the planet by 2030. So we do have that mission. Um, but I think the long-term goal for the Changemaker Institute, as with any social enterprise, it is for it to be sustainable and and impactful. So not only just um, not only financially sustainable, but but growing and and thriving, and also having a positive impact on businesses that want to do good. My personal vision, if I had a choice, would would be to to become a content company. Like I, I would love to produce content that would benefit and empower businesses. So maybe a TV program where we could highlight social entrepreneurs from all over the world. That would be that. I would love to, to do that as a side project for the Changemaker Institute. Oh, that's fun. You wear a lot of hats in what you do. Can we shift focus a little bit and talk about your work in intellectual property law? How did you get into the field? I, I, I wish I had a more inspiring story. Maybe, maybe it is inspiring. My mother was actually studying law when she met my father. So she, she met my father, they fell in love, they started dating, they got married, and she never completed law school. So she had a lot of law books in the house that were, that were around when I was growing up, um, the British Constitution and all that. And I used to read those books. I just did. Yeah, I, I loved reading. And the, the, the logical progression, we go to law school right after high school. So it's not like in the U.S., I grew up in Malaysia, so it's not like in the U.S. where law school is a graduate degree. We do law school right after high school. So I went to um, my undergraduate law degree. Um, and then one thing led to another. I went on to do a master's, and then I went on to do a second master's, and then I did a PhD in copyright law and history. And so that's how I, I came to law, and specifically intellectual property law. So I'm curious from your experience in that, what does social entrepreneur need to know about intellectual property law and how does this come into play when people are launching new new enterprises? Yeah. So with any businesses, with any business, intellectual property is, I, I guess, the core, part of the core um, asset of the company. Right? Besides, besides the hard assets like buildings and vehicles and machinery and all that, um, the knowledge, the, the trademark, the brand, the information that you have as a business, those are all really valuable assets that should be protected. So intellectual property law is about, well, how do we protect all those assets, right? How do we protect our brand? How do we protect our information? Um, but specifically for social entrepreneurs, you, you can protect that information, but the information can also be created in a way or the brand can be designed in a way to actually make an impact, right? So so if you're a business, let's just say you are a business, a regular for-profit business, uh, let's just say, let's just say take a pharmaceutical company. The, the pharmaceutical company's um, goals could be to accumulate patents, right? That means as we develop pharmaceutical we're going to fall for patents and we're going to have more and more and more patents and that the, the patents that are filed and, and, 
and then when they get patents, then they, they build this patent portfolio. With social enterprises as well, that's that's something we can do. We can get a lot of intellectual property and we can collect a lot of intellectual property and that intellectual property then forms the company's assets. Which, which There's nothing wrong with that. But if you want to make an impact, the the way you design the information and the path that you take to lead to the pattern and the type of pattern that you get it should align with your social impact mission. So in other words, a, a pharmaceutical may not necessarily have to think about its impact when it gets the patent, right? However, if you're a social impact business, you want to be mindful about the, the pattern that you get and the impact that pattern has on, on society and you want to align that with your mission. So if you're a sustainable company, the patterns that you might want to pursue would be would be innovation that allows you to reduce carbon emissions, right? Or if you are a content company, you want to produce content that is more empowering or content that is more socially responsible and socially impactful. Is there any pitfalls that people should be aware of about things that um, they might have to watch out for when starting a, an enterprise in terms of other people's intellectual property or um, areas that could get them into trouble? Yeah. So you do want to be careful about the intellectual property that you come across. So just to be really quick, there, there are four basic types of intellectual property, patents, copyrights, trademarks, and trade secrets. So trade secrets are, are information that are kept secret. So protected by confidential agreements and all that. And then you have trademarks, which protect your brand. And then you have copyright, which protects expressive works, creative writing, art, and all that. And then patents that protect inventions. When you are starting out as a business and you're designing and innovating and trying to get a, an intellectual property, you want to keep that information close to you and not share it. And the reason I say it is because a lot of the, the systems that we have is the first person to file. So the first person to actually file the patent gets the patent. Assuming that they, they satisfy all the requirements, they get the patent. It doesn't matter if you invent it first. With trademarks, those who use it first gets the, the trademark. So if you build, build a brand, or you're thinking of using a trademark, you, you want to keep it close to you before somebody uses it to build their own brand. And then with trade secrets, you want to keep it confidential so that you don't lose the, the value of the secret. So trade secrets would be things like recipes, client lists, things that are not protected by trademark, copyright, or, or patents. With, with copyright, the work is protected when, when the work is fixed. You know, so when you fix the information on a, what the, call, the law calls tangible minimum of expression, basically means when you write it down or you put it in a CD or you know, you fix it, right? That's the point where you get the, the, the copyright. So if you have an idea and you're talking about it to everyone else and somebody else picks up on it and fixes, fixes it first, they get a copyright because ideas are not protected. So you, you, starting out, you want to keep your information close to you until you can get the protection that you need from the, the legal system. Fantastic. And w what sort of help can people get when they're going through this process in order to um, facilitate that? 
Yes. Um, so there are trademark agents that you can go to. They can file trademarks for you. There are patent agents that you can go to to file a patent. If you have a if you have a lot of trade secrets, then you just want a lawyer to draft a confidential agreement for you. And you don't even need a, a lawyer. You could go to like Rocket Lawyer or the one of the plat- legal platforms where you can actually uh, pay. And then, you know, it's like $39 per month or something. And then they come up with a customized agreement for you to get a um, confidential agreement so that whoever comes across your trade secrets, you make them sign the confidential agreement. So they're bound to you by contract to not disclose that information. And with copyright, you don't need to do anything to protect it because the moment you fix it, that's when you get your protection. But you should still register it with the copyright office just in case you you want to sue someone else for taking your copyright. So the so you get protection the minute you fix it. You don't have to register it, but you would have to register it if you are afraid that somebody else is going to infringe your copyright and you want to bring a legal suit eventually. That's great. Thank you so much for, for that overview. That's really helpful. <laughs> Good to know. I, I think when it comes to legal issues, that's something that people have very little experience with when they're they're launching a an enterprise. Because quite often they either have some business experience or some social impact experience that's yeah. drawing them to that. Um, but sometimes these other areas are very difficult for people to really grasp and and get their head around. So thank you so much for sharing that. I've really enjoyed this podcast. It's it's been a nice introduction about, you know, what, what you're doing with the Changemaker Institute and, and the good that you're doing. We spoke about the workshop that you have coming up on June 9th, and people can find the link for that in the show notes or go to the changemakerinstitute.org. Um, and then we had a great discussion about the intellectual property. And I, I would just add one more thing, if, if I may, Adam. We, we do have a lead magnet that I think might be useful to your audience. If you are interested in, you know, thinking about how do I align my social impact goals with my business goals and, and being profitable and how do I design a social impact program and how do I go about doing that? We do have the ultimate impact creation starter kit that takes you a step-by-step. It's actually a three-step process. I mean, it's, it's all easy and, and fun to work through. It's, it's, it's really easy questions to answer, but it will help you think about what your vision is for your company, then how you would design a social impact program and how would you use that social impact program to then support your company. So it's, it's a simple three-step process, but I designed it in such a way that it will help anyone who's thinking about doing social impact work give you a quick start to getting things going. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. And for people who are listening who are, you know, are working on an idea or, or trying to flesh that out, that sounds like the perfect tool for, for developing that to get off the ground. Well, thank you so much for taking some time today to join us on the podcast and share what you're doing. Uh, I really admire what you're doing and I hope it just continues to grow and grow. Well, and um, thanks for having me. It was such a, a fun time. And if you're listening, you can find all these resources in the show notes. Um, and you can find out more by visiting changemakerinstitute.org. So thanks so much for listening.